When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter-day Takes. I hope you've been having a great week coming off of the 4th of July weekend. Busy weekend for me, um, which is probably part of the reason why that led to just kind of only dropping one podcast today. But um, that can happen sometimes, you know, just coming off holidays, things like that. Sorry. Um, Maybe this was like a full-time professional situation. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing that as much, but... Um, here I am. I'm back. Uh, just wanted to share a couple things before we get into the meat of this episode. Uh, I was able to attend America's Freedom Festival on Sunday with the guest speaker, Tad Collister, who we've mentioned on this podcast before, who's been on this podcast before, and he did a great job. It was really, really fun to see him up there talking a lot about his newest book, um, which is basically highlighting the divine origins of America, because um, Tad's a big believer in that. I mean, I'm a, I am as well. A lot of us are that essentially this Amer- this country was created specifically by God because it wasn't really until we could have a 100% free country, free religion uh, to exist in a country uh, for the last dispensation. So we were waiting for a country like that to be founded. And once that happened, I mean, when you when you look at the timeline of events, it took less than 50 years for things to start unfolding there. Um, and then specifically 54 years until it was actually established. So kind of an interesting timing there that it was just boom, boom. Like, let's, let's get a free country so we can get God's uh, complete gospel back on the earth, right? Anyway, that's just what we believe, a lot of us at least. And that got me thinking, like what Tad had shared in his uh, speech, um, kind of the inspiration of creating the Constitution and everything like that, got me thinking a little bit more about how I've had similar thoughts in the past about how the other side, a lot of people that are not religious, at least, tend to replace religion and their dogma with the government. And I actually wrote about this just in a blog post that's on my website. Um, I titled it, The Government Won't Make You Happy, which is kind of a cop-out, because I really wanted to title it Godverment, because I thought that was kind of creative, but um, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, let's be honest. The reason why I was kind of inspired to talk about, I mean, inspired, I use that loosely for the record, but I, I to talk about this um, scenario was due to the fact that um, there there was this the one year anniversary of President Trump getting elected to the presidency in the United States. There were gatherings all over the country, and they called it the "Scream at the Sky" day. And that's where that like really well known GIF goes out of. I think I think it's a woman just screaming uncontrollably at the sky. She's got glasses, a beanie, and a green jacket. I think we've all seen that gif at least at one point. And she just, it's just reckless abandon, just screaming at the sky. And you kind of wonder, like, what would drive somebody to do that? And that was my thought. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand the motivation there. Like, that is kind of, that's kind of nuts to, to be driven to actually literally scream at the sky. And so I started asking myself, what would motivate somebody? Like, what would motivate me to scream at the sky as a form of protest? And so I started thinking, if someone murdered my family, I'd probably scream at the sky. If someone burned my house down right in front of my eyes, I also may scream at the sky. If someone told me that God, the God I believed in was dead or was, or was unable to wield at least one-third of the power for my perceived well-being for the next four years, I'm not sure I'd scream at the sky, but I might maybe understand a little, a little better. And it really, that's what started getting me thinking that, you know, a lot of these people perceive the government to be everything in their lives. Um, 
I think that's what kind of leads them to think, you know, with, with what if they have control of their own lives. I mean, that, that's what I thought about. Like, if if the God I believed in didn't exist, I would actually really be like, then what's this all about? What's this all for? It's there's no point. And so that's why I started kind of making that comparison is that I really do believe that humans actually have a natural instinct to believe in a higher power that has some sort of impact on their lives. And this ideology has prevailed throughout history, right? I mean, I mentioned in that post that I wrote, you know, since the days of Zoroastrianism, they've they've really had that desire, It's which is considered the oldest religion. Um, and so when you take away the idea that there is a supreme being outside of the realms of this planet, of this earth, then that void has to be filled by something. And what what better than the government that has a very real sense of power on this planet and has some impact on your life? So it really becomes their religion. If you don't believe in a god, there's a high chance that you're going to pl- replace government, imperfect men and women, at that at that level, which is a very, very dangerous way of living um, in this world. No question, obviously. We all know why. To kind of close this whole monologue out, if you will, I want to kind of read some of the end of this post. And I can actually post the link in the uh, in the description uh, in the for this episode, just in case you wanted to go track it down. But a misunderstanding of this concept or a misplacement of faith in the wrong entity creates a disillusionment when we feel as if those rights are being taken from us. In other words, the absence of a belief in God in one's life can misappropriate power in the arms of a false God, and the vacuum of desire to believe in a greater power than oneself will inevitably be filled by an imperfect structure, i.e. government. Whichever higher power you choose to believe in is not as important as understanding the role of those who govern the land. They were meant to be facilitators of well-being, not a pseudo-god. To conflate the two notions can, and likely will, cause an ever-growing chasm in society. There was a large faction of our nation's citizens that removed God from their platform, which they then quickly revised to indirectly put more power into the hands of imperfect human beings. I guess it shouldn't come as a surprise that they organized a day to scream at the sky when their God wasn't elected to uphold their godless platform. Anyway, so that's just kind of what I wanted to share. Some thoughts in that regard. I think it's really interesting. That's one of the many reasons why I feel like religion and belief in a higher power is of utmost importance. But anyway, let's get going with the episode. On today's episode, I bring back Chase Bartholomew. Um, He's back living in Utah, and we go over a few things, kind of current events. Uh, The big thing that we talk about for for a bit has me laughing already because it is a funny topic. It's a... about Zach Wilson's mom, Zach Wilson being the former quarterback at BYU who was just drafted number two in the NFL draft. He, There was some weird Instagram video post that she put out there talking about how he actually asked her to delete her Instagram, but she said she refused to do so because essentially she's become somewhat of a uh, motivator, to say the least, of a lot of people uh, through her Instagram messages. So it, it things got weird. Uh with, with the situation with Zach Wilson's mom and Chase and I kind of go about that among many other topics, obviously, but I hope you all enjoy it at least a little bit. I hope it gives you kind of a nice release from reality for a little bit. Um, other than that, we'll see you back next week. I hope you all have a great weekend going into, uh, Thursday, obviously is today. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just relax, kick back, you know, maybe recover from the long weekend that we just had. Uh, and then get back to do it again. Anyway, hope you all are doing well, and I'll see you next week. Mormons are my favorite. They're my favorite. Yeah, okay. They're absolutely yeah. my favorite. All Mormons are nutty Mormons. Mormons are the nicest cult of all time. Beautiful, and these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. Just being a Mormon's nutty. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yeah. best cult. My favorite religion is Mormons. They're the nicest people. Shout out to the Latter Day Saints. Chase, you're back for another episode of Latter Day Takes. Thank you again, as always, for joining. I gotta say, I was having a hard time getting out of bed this morning until uh, 
until I thought of uh, Lisa Wilson, Zach Wilson's mom's Instagram story. And that, that's what helped me get out of bed. Well, that's how I feel about your podcast, Harper. That's what gets me out of bed every morning. So That's all I ever wanted. And you make it worth it. Just you, just having you know, just knowing that you wouldn't be able to function without me gives me all the fulfillment I need in this world. Well, you're going to need to start rolling out more episodes because the only days I get out of bed are the days that an episode drops. So, all right. Okay. So if, uh, if I stop recording podcasts altogether, just look at that as an indication that I don't care whether or not you get out of bed. Okay. In fact, uh, you know, this is how I feel on the days, you know, if you were to ever end your podcast, this is how I would feel. I'm just have a little recording for you here. I'm really sorry, but I have to let you go. And it's purely budgetary. It's not personal. I'm going to kill myself. Wow. I'm going to kill myself, but it's your fault. So, yeah, don't end your podcast. (laughs) <laughs> good good to know good to know um we're gonna bring in a couple sound bites because for the uninitiated obviously we're making allusions to zach wilson's mom going on social media the other day should we just go ahead and play it should we uh, yeah i i have the clip right here i don't know how well it'll come through on the uh, over the mic we but can edit and post if we have to people out there that think i embarrass my She is in all of her glory. Um, honestly, dude, I'll just be honest. I'm just straight up. Like, I've pretty much never held back on this podcast. I guess that's not totally true. I have sometimes, but for the most part, I try not to. This is definitely not one of those times. I'm not holding back right now. Um, I, from day one, I could tell this woman was nuts from day one. I mean, she completely indulged herself when, like, as soon as Zach Wilson was in the picture, I think maybe his sophomore year when things were becoming more regular, she was taking as much FaceTime on the camera as possible. She is honestly, I think I've even said this before, the, the quintessential Draper mom. And this is coming from two Draper kids. Like we've, we grew up in Draper. Our most formidable years took place in Draper. We know more about the Draper mom than most people by far. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, I used to work out at the Treehouse Athletic Club, which was the I think that was like the ground zero of Draper moms was the Treehouse no moms that would would show up, and you know it's kind of known as a place for swinging. I think I'm not accusing Zach Wilson's mom of any of that, but she right. certainly has a lot of those attributes that people like to attribute to the the classic Draper mom. No, it's 100 percent right. I mean, no joke. Like she, if you were to to draw one or describe one, it'd look a lot like her. It just would, quite frankly. Anyway, I I mean, besides the fact that she's clearly, you know, taking credit for essentially saving people's lives, um, which is, I mean, Jordan Peterson doesn't even do that. Like, he, he'll talk about how he's helped improve people's lives, but she straight up says, like, stop these women from taking a bunch of pills. And I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming she's talking about people committing suicide, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, Jordan Peterson has a PhD in psychology. Uh, Lisa Wilson works out at the treehouse probably at least five times a week and has very blonde hair. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is there are people who, if 
if they wouldn't find somebody like her to help them with whatever problems they have in their lives, they'd find somebody else. I'm not sure she's the last bastion of survival or being able to get out of bed. That's basically my claim right there. But it was interesting to note that right off the bat, she wanted to make everything clear and make everybody know that it wasn't about money and it's and he's not embarrassed about her. Those are like the first two things she talked about. And then from there she went like, this is what I do to help people, which I don't really buy that he's not embarrassed and I really don't buy that she's not doing it for popularity or fame or money or whatever. But anyway. Well, I have to give you some credit because I remember back when Zach first came on the scene in 2018, uh, you you were right there, right at the beginning, you know, calling her out for being kind of a me monster and, you know, hogging all the camera time. And at first I was like, yeah, at first I was kind of like, you know, I, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but I didn't quite see just how wacko she really was. But I think it's starting to show it's now that he's out of BYU and he's making NFL money. I think we're going to see more and more of this uh, clown show. So I'm all here for it. I'm eating the popcorn while I watch this. So, <laughs> I guess at the end of the day, I kind of am too. It's definitely entertaining, but certainly giving us some fodder on the podcast. But Lisa, Lisa Wilson never stopped being you, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because a lot you go on like Cougar Board and stuff, and a lot of these guys are like defending her honor. And it's like, you guys, I'm sorry. She's a married woman your odds of landing with her are, are quite small. You, you, you can, you can cut the the act and the performative stuff to try to get on her good side, because I don't think it's going to happen for you. So do you think that really is their motivation for defending her? Like these anonymous <laughs> guys actually like <laughs> maybe subconsciously, or maybe they just don't have any ability to, to criticize anything BYU related. But I mean, what if your kid asks you to stop doing something? Like posting so much and you're like your famous kid is like, could you please stop? Like, how do you respond to that? Well, it's kind of sad when a Gen Z kid has to ask his boomer parent to not be so addicted to social media. You would think the roles would be reversed there, but apparently not with some of these people. Slight correction there. I actually would bet you she's Gen X. Okay, well, whatever. Whatever, Gen, Gen Z kid asking his parents who didn't grow yeah, up with Gen, social the, media. The point being the Gen Z kid. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. she was more likely a child of the 80s, um, just wanting to grow up to be famous and then miss the social media era, but never too late. Jumping on that bandwagon as much as possible right now. Yeah, for, forever 25 years old as some of these Draper moms, but whatever. Um, sticking on kind of the same track, with this college, college athletes, all that stuff. Let's talk about the NIL with that that came out. I, I, I touched on it in my last podcast just a little bit. I only talked about it for, honestly, like 20 seconds, um, which the NIL, I don't even know what it stands for. I just know that it was the big ruling that came out where college athletes can now actually use, make money off their own likeness, which is something that should have been a thing a long time ago, I personally think. I think that's that's America as far as I'm concerned. I don't know why the NCAA ever felt the right to knock kids for doing that because a same college kid that wasn't an athlete could make money off of their own likeness. Like that was all, that was always possible if they just weren't part of the NCAA. And so the fact that the NCAA felt like they could do something like along those lines is kind of criminal in some senses. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not jumping on the, bandwagon of this being some groundbreaking moment because in my opinion the only people that are going to make substantial money doing this are the ones that are already set up to make substantial money as a pro when their college career ends and so there will be a very small overlap in the venn diagram of people who are going to see a significant financial advantage otherwise wouldn't eventually have that anyway and i've also always kind of been of the opinion that especially with how expensive college is that these guys already are kind of getting hooked up with their scholarship to begin with. Now I'm not opposed to the, if they have some way of making money off of their name while they're in college, by all means, I'm not going to you know, throw up a big uh, protest and against that. But I, from what I've seen so far, I've seen a lot of cringe stuff already coming out of the woodwork as far as these guys like, Oh yeah. Uh, who are, who already are like self-absorbed with their highlight videos and like the, you know, their social media presence. It's going to get even more cringe now. So buckle up for that. Uh, it comes I, with the 
I, I will say so the to one to one quick rebuttal to what you said about like the getting a scholarship and everything. Not not all of them do for one, right? There's plenty of walk-ons and pl- plenty of scholarship players in the NCAA that don't get that money. And even outside of that, um, there the, the tuition has increased, like they say, like three three point five times the rate of inflation. So that hasn't even actually even been equal in that regard. So there are some discrepancies there. I'm not necessarily saying we should pay college athletes by any means. In fact, they, a lot of, they got a stipend before this anyway. I don't know where that fits into all this now. Like, I don't know if they still get a stipend or not, but I would imagine they do to some degree still because there's going to be plenty that, as you say, do not even benefit from this. And if they lose part of their stipend money because of that, then some of them are actually worse off than, than, than where they were before. Um, but you're right with few exceptions, like they're, most of them are going to be basically about the same. I do think it's going to change the dynamic of the NCAA in terms of competition. I think I've said this, I said this in the last podcast, I said this even to you in a private conversation. I think LA will probably see a resurgence. I think you'll see UCLA and USC be more competitive in the coming years. Um, some people may say that that was just like that ebbs and flows anyway, I think it'll be a little bit more constant for that reason because it's so much easier to brand yourself. I wonder how hiring like an agent or a talent scout fits into all that. Uh, not talent scout, sorry, like a talent manager. Um, like if the NCAA will allow that. I don't know. I'm sure there's random stipulations even in that ruling that exists that are going to uh, limit their capability in some regards. But anyway, that's that's enough of the, uh, this, the specifics of that. I just think it's interesting. Um, it's funny to see a lot of these college athletes thinking that all of a sudden they're going to be like making the big bucks when in reality they're going to be living like, they're basically going to be living like students that get just get out of college and have like a pretty okay paying job, but nothing great. Yeah, it'll be like the the summer sales guys back in when we lived in Provo that you know had like an extra ten to twenty k to spend and they blew it all on a car. That's basically the bet. The guys who do come out the best in this are going to be able to do that. Basically, well, the very best is going to be that like less than one percent. Yeah. Right. I mean, but then you already have some athletes that have kind of a brand. Like, what's that? The BYU women's basketball player. What's her name? Like Shay Gonzalez or something like that. I yeah, might be getting that name I, wrong. She I has like know. a huge TikTok presence, I guess. Oh, okay. And so she'll she'll be able to like right now monetize that and make something. She can already do advertisements, which is something she couldn't do before, which is crazy. Like that is nuts. That if you're a student athlete and you have a TikTok, like that's you wouldn't have been able to make money off of it. Or and if you did, you would be like violating something. Like that's nuts. Like that should have never been the case. Uh, I, I hate all this TikTok stuff. So this, this, I do this doesn't, this, you're, you're not selling me on this NIL stuff. It's going to make TikTok a bigger deal for these Gen Z athletes. But I mean, you're right. Based on the TikTok and like how that is at branding people, I'm there. I'm with you there. But I'm talking about the principle in and of itself, as you're aware that if um, some sort of they, they were be able to be an influencer in some other regard, which I even kind of hate that term. But whatever. Maybe we can. Yeah. Well, do you I think did... there should be? Do you think there should be some forgiveness retroactively for guys like Reggie Bush or, heaven forbid, Nick Emery? <laughs> um, Nick Emery. Nick Emery's such an idiot. Um, I so no. Actually, short answer is no. The long answer is, um, I that's going to be one of the best Heisman House commercials I've ever seen. If they do give Reggie Bush his Heisman back. But I don't think you should be retroactively retroactively forgiven for breaking rules that were in place. Now, even if those rules were bad rules, that still doesn't mean they weren't rules and that they should have been followed. So I don't I don't believe in that necessarily. Still, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's the law is the law. When it, you know whatever the time the law was broken, that's what goes in the books. So that's fair enough. That's kind of the thing. Yeah, I mean, but even then, I guess there are some. Like if a law changes that puts somebody in prison, um, don't they actually get released a lot of times? Yeah, we, should, we should get a lawyer on the podcast for this. I, right. I can't answer that. Answer. No, we no. To, uh, to uh, average Joes can figure this out, right? Non non lawyers. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 
No. Um, I did see a funny question though along those lines is um some guy like making some joke about how he was gonna pay some athlete to be his friend for a day. Um <laughs> that made me think of all the BYU athletes, past or present, which one would you pay to be your friend for a day? And what would you do? I mean I mean, I think you gotta go with Taysom, right? He's I he's still like the the quiz essential BYU athlete that's ever come through here. So I I, I kind of have to I have to go with Taysom. Well, what would you do? What would be your motivation? I would I would make him record a video of me uh, beating him up, so I would look tough, and make him look like he's actually trying. All right. Well, I'll, maybe I'll give you some more time to think of a more serious answer, because <laughs> my thing is. You'd have to find that athlete that's in the sweet spot of pretty cool, pretty well-known, but also doesn't completely overshadow you if you're with him. So he, like, if you were with Taysom, in other words, anybody you came across that day would just be infatuated with Taysom and be like, he'd get all the attention. And I know it's like, it sounds so vain. It's like, you're not getting any attention, but that's the point of paying this person to be your friend for a day is to get attention, but you'd be completely overshadowed. So you'd have to find an athlete almost more like a Jackson Emery, like Jackson Emery, who's like a force really good, but he's not going into the NBA. He probably could have made it in Europe, but he's really just going to like stick around Utah County and like, in random tech positions to help recruiting or whatever else it is that he does like that he's noticeable and it has to be while he's an athlete obviously because if you're friends with jackson emery that really does kind of make you look like you can be like a likable person i guess i don't know is that crazy no that makes sense yeah i guess the taste something would be kind of like the country mac and mac situation on the mac day episode of always sunny <laughs> where uh country mac overshadows everything mac does Sure. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of our listeners know exactly what you're talking about, too, with the It's Always Sunny well, they, in Philadelphia reference. They, they, they need to watch It's Always Sunny mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Yeah. I can neither confirm nor deny that sentiment. Um, not on this podcast, at least. But so, yeah, maybe a Jackson Emery type. I don't know if it'd specifically be Jackson Emery, but uh, that'd be a good one, though, because I was like when BYU was at its peak basketball wise for this century. And um, he was, he was, you know, Robin to Jimmer's Batman. He also has a lot of, uh, he has a lot of annoying takes on Twitter, though. He's been a real big Nick Emery defender, which is kind of hard to get on board with. I agree. I agree. But that's not, I mean, this is all assuming that none of that has happened at that point because he's a student athlete still at the time. Um. Max Hall would be social suicide because uh, even BYU people didn't like Max Hall. And anybody that did think you were cool for hanging out with Max Hall is automatically an idiot. So that would so work. I did hang out with Max Hall freshman year a little bit. Um, that actually makes he, a lot of sense knowing you. Yeah. No, uh, so he was uh, – one of my one of my buddies freshman year was on the football team. And uh, so – he would hang out with Max Hall and they would play Halo a lot, which I'm not really a video game guy, but you know, I knew how to play Halo from high school and stuff. And uh, Max Hall was playing with us one time and I thought it would be funny because he was on my team. And when you kill someone on your team, that's called betraying them. And I thought it'd be funny to betray Max Hall. So I, I, I betrayed him. I killed him. Nice. He was on my team. So that that's my claim to fame. Oh yeah, what quite the claim to fame there, dude. Very, very cool. Um, anyway, so that's where I stand. It sounds like you'd go like all out. You'd like try to get the best of the best to be your friend for a day. That's an athlete. Yeah, yeah, might as well. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's. Did you have anything more to say off the NIL? What does that stand for? I'm guessing one of the N maybe stands for name and L stands for likeness. I don't know what the I stands for. Yeah. I. I don't <laughs> name, know. I likeness. <laughs> I'm sure that's it. All right. Um, over the weekend, we did an outdoor movie. We watched Live Free or Die Hard, which was a nice kind of backup movie because we threw out the idea of doing either Top Gun or Independence Day. Kind of, you know, celebrating the fourth. 
Uh, I thought Live Free or Die Hard actually was a solid pick, and it's kind of underrated in the 4th of July movies pantheon. So now I'm curious, what are some of the best 4th of July movie movies yeah, that and are just, out there? And, and I'll just give a quick review of my take on that movie. So I thought it was an entertaining movie. It felt like they could have cut it down like a half hour, and it would have been the same movie. I think you usually can with most of those movies. That's probably fair. Yeah, they just have to keep pushing the the uh, suspense of disbelief to a point that's kind of over the top. But it was it was fun. Bruce Willis always does a good job, so I can't complain about that uh, movie selection. But I mean, number one all time, and I I don't think there's even a close second. Some people might disagree, but number one's got to be The Patriot, right? I disagree, uh, actually. Wow. Let's Let's see what you have to say here. I disagree because as good of a movie as The Patriot is, I don't like the premise. I'm actually glad you brought this up. He was like a middle of the pack guy. Wasn't didn't he start out as being like a like he wasn't sure like where his loyalties really lied? Like he definitely was for the revolution, but he's like, We can't stir the pot, so we're not gonna fight. And he was one of those that was like just not gonna get involved until it became personal and and his son was killed. Well, yeah, he he was a single father in the movie, had a whole ton of kids, and his wife his wife was uh, she had died or before the movie started, and uh, so his whole thing was I'm a father, I can't really afford to go off to war right now, and and you know he, his position was completely justified when you look at from where he was coming from and being a, a father of multiple kids and having I don't know part of me sources. wants to see the hero just be all in from the get go though and just be like. F off British redcoats, lobster backs. I mean, but he had, that's the whole point of the character arc is he comes from being like a guy who's kind of put his principles aside to be able to raise his family. And then he realizes what's important to him and he rises above that and obviously kicks some ass throughout the movie. Um, I still think one of the best movie scenes of all time is the scene after his son gets shot and then they're going to go hang his other son and he gets his two like five or probably like an eight year old and 10 year old son gives them a gun. They go hide in the woods and they ambush this party of like 20 British soldiers and just completely kick ass. Probably in my opinion, one of the top five war movie scenes ever. It is it's a pretty kind of solid brutal. scene. Yeah. yeah, that is really good. I actually agree. I mean, it's a good movie. I just, I don't know. I mean, if you're going off of strict, like what, what this country is all about kind of like in the, in the sentiment therein. Yeah. The Patriot kind of falls in line with that a little bit better. I think you could make an argument for saving private Ryan. If you're going to go that route as well, even though it's not strictly revolutionary, it's definitely about like, you know, protecting the freedom of your own country and trying to preserve the freedom of every other country as much as possible, fighting against tyranny, all that stuff. Um, but I mean, I, it just depends on what you're going for, right? Are you wanting to go for like, blow it up, like crazy action doesn't really have like, uh, a realistic plot. Then I think independence day might actually be the best (laughs) one. (laughs) Well, you saw, you saw Budweiser did a commercial with the the president from independence day, like recreated his speech, but I actually haven't seen that. Oh, it's actually a pretty good commercial, actually. Really? I, I give him props. Yeah, they. He, it was actually like a lot of people in the comments on the on the original tweet they tweeted out with the commercial were like talking about how it brought him to tears and stuff. Which <laughs> <laughs> not, not not very often that a beer commercial will bring people to tears, but it actually was a pretty well made commercial. And more often than I, you I, think, I, though, maybe. Have you seen those Clydesdale commercials, man? Some of those are pretty touching. Yeah, yeah, they Budweiser does a good job. They they're probably yeah. the best uh, throughout time. Have been the best uh, beer advertiser. I remember there was that big controversy when Kirby Hayborn was in a Super Bowl beer commercial for like Bud Light, and everyone was wondering if that was okay being Mormon and stuff. I don't know. How do you feel about that? That's actually a really good question. Um, Hard for me to answer because I don't ever care about being an actor. So like if it were my own career, I guess I'd have to address that a little more directly, obviously, and think, what is it that I'm becoming an actor for, right? Am I doing it to push forth like and be a strong representative of what my true values are and and what I represent? 
uh, like that being the church, assuming that that's a big part of who I am still at that point in my career, then I would say, no, it's probably not good to be in a commercial like that because that essentially means you endorse a product that goes uh, strictly against what your church is about. Um, but if you're looking more kind of on the acting side of things and kind of more thinking, I just need to help my career as much as possible here, then sure, go for it. Like uh, it just comes down to where your priorities lie. I know that's kind of a basic response, but I think that's kind of the best way to approach it. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, you could you could equally criticize NFL football players for playing on Sunday if you know if you're trying to keep the Sabbath there's, day holy. There's truth to on that. Sunday, yeah, pretty much the same thing. Or you know, if you owned a grocery store, would you sell alcohol? You probably would. I mean, if you're if you're trying to market to a community others other than the LDS people that come to your store, you probably need to sell alcohol as well. So, uh, you know, it's hard. You got to make a living somehow. And if you choose yeah. an industry that has some things that aren't in line hundred percent with your values, you got to figure out where you're going to cut your losses, but it's not an easy question to answer. No, for sure. Any other good 4th of July movies out there that you can think of? Ooh, I, I'm actually one that was on the, it was on the list of movies you had last night, um, behind enemy lines. That's a good one. Oh yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. Why I is that one a 4th a kid, of July movie? I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of funny to watch Owen Wilson in like a serious role. Like you kind he of does so well in that. He does yeah, he so does. well does in that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, that was my first introduction to Owen Wilson that I can think of. I, I, I Armageddon. Um, maybe, I mean, I just, I, I feel like all of the other movies I've seen him in have been funny roles and the, to see him in a more serious, although th- it wasn't like a fully serious movie. It's kind of a lighthearted, but action packed movie. Yeah. It more has lighthearted moments, but it's like, it's not, it's like Owen Wilson then where you don't usually see him. But my first yeah. introduction was Armageddon, which by the way, could also qualify as a solid 4th of July movie for some reason. I feel like. Yeah, Even anything saving the world. Ex- <laughs> yeah, anything where there's explosions and heroics, you can kind yeah, of spin right. It, or spin Bruce it Willis. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Um, yeah has, but has yeah, Bruce Willis ever has he has he ever been the bad guy in a movie? I feel like he's always the good guy. I guess he in in uh, have you seen Looper? Uh, I don't think I ever. Maybe I did see that one. I can't remember. Actually. That's a good one. Yeah. Looper's actually a, the same guy made that who made uh, the Star Wars that everyone hated, Episode 8. But Looper was a lot better than Star Wars. Um, that was a good one. Yeah. I don't even remember. And Bruce Wilson was kind of, he was, he was kind of the bad guy in that one to hmm. a degree. And then he ended up being the good guy. But So even then, he still wasn't the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, he's kind of the bad guy in The Kid. Cause he's a jerk. I need to watch that one again. Is the kid, what, what's, what's the premise of that movie again? It's uh, isn't it like he goes back in time or something like that? Bruce or? Willis as a kid who is that chubby little kid goes yeah. and like, like gets, gets pushed into the future where Bruce Willis is now. Cause he, and he's a total jerk. He's kind of lost sight of who he was just like a jerk to everybody, but very successful as a, as an image consultant. And the kid runs into him and like, he doesn't figure out that it's him until later. Um, just as a, at a younger age and it supposedly transforms the way he like sees life and everything and whatever. That's actually funny. Cause that's the exact same plot as Looper basically just in a more serious <laughs> role. <laughs> so Bruce just Willis likes to play that. himself, but an assassin's <laughs> like premise. Yeah. Well, if I'm not wrong, like what it is is Joseph Gordon Levitt, plays this assassin that can travel through time and he doesn't really ask questions. He just gets the hit and then like goes and does it. And then turns out he gets an assignment to that's a hit on himself as an older man. Right. And that older man is Bruce Willis. Right. Yeah. And that's, I guess in the, in the, in the universe of this movie, that's what happens is you kill yourself as an older person and that's your last payday. You get like a huge payday and then you retire. Then like 30 years later, you're dead. Because uh, you kill yourself, and so that happened to Bruce Willis, but he like evaded that assassination, and then the movie is like about the conflict of interest between young Bruce Willis and old Bruce Willis, and uh, it's a good one. Man, the kid really took a dark turn on the yeah, sequel, exactly. dude. That's the kid too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Bruce Willis is I love that guy. But Top Gun was the another one we were going to throw out there to for that, and that. 
that seemed very American too at the time and also made sense because we're going to get the sequel coming in later this year, which who knows how that's going to go. I, have, oh, yeah, I was wondering about that. So that still hasn't come out. Hasn't new, come out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would look good. I feel like, like since Tom Cruise is making a different movie, like one, like one new movie every year and a half, since COVID pushed everything back, I feel like we're going to get like three Tom Cruise movies in the next like eight months. Like, I feel yeah, like there's that... going to be Top Gun, there's going to be a new Mission Impossible, and there's going to be some random other, like maybe a Jack Reacher or something. I don't know. But it's all just going to be boom, 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 Tom Cruise, which Honestly, I'm okay I with because I love Tom Cruise. I, I think he's a kind of a nutty guy, but I actually really like him as an actor. Yeah, I mean, all of these actors are nutty guys. I, he's especially I'm... nutty, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's true. I mean, then I've watched Jim Carrey interviews recently. That guy's turned into a complete whack job. Man, that guy is nuts. And he's he is one that I've enjoyed. Like, Fun with Dick and Jane, I think, is actually one of the more underrated comedies out there, quite frankly. And then, of course, our classic Dumb and Dumber that we spent our entire duration of Pioneer Trek quoting the movie <laughs> word for word. We did go through that whole movie. Yeah, yeah we nailed that one. Well, I, I bought that movie with my own money in like sixth grade and I came home from school and watched it every single day for like three months. I don't know how I had the ability to be that repetitious with any movie, but somehow sixth grade me did that. By the way, are we, I can't, there's a, that begs an interesting question. Are we just adults now that don't really like rewatching movies or do we, has there been a different era for everybody where we just don't rewatch movies anymore? Because I swear rewatching movies especially on a sunday night was one of my favorite things to do as a kid like with the family i'd never rewatch movies i mean that's not totally true i do every now and then like some of my favorites i'll rewatch but very rarely do i do that certainly not with people hardly ever now now we did just watch um live free or die hard and most people have probably seen that but it's very yeah, rare occasion still- you know what i'm talking about right in the in yeah, the era yeah, of streaming yeah, I still like to rewatch movies, but most of the movies I rewatch came from the era where we grew up, like the '90s or early 2000s. I, I feel like part of that's just the the production it's quality nostalgia. of movies. Well, part of it's nostalgia, but part of it, I think, movies were just better back then. I well, think- I have a theory on that, by the way. I've said this before. I don't think I've said this on the podcast, but my theory of '90s movies, why '90s action movies is the best era of action movies. Have you heard this? No. You basically have the beginning of CGI, but it wasn't good enough to like overtake a movie. So you couldn't just like go crazy on it and let it basically be everything like you see in every Marvel movie nowadays. Um, so you had to make things pretty realistic and actually blow things up. But then CGI could kind of like fill the gaps in pretty well to still make this like this amazing movie. It's like the sweet spot of both worlds where it's like they'd extend your suspension of disbelief a little bit better because of the cgi but they also weren't going crazy where the cgi was overtaking everything does that sound does that sound yeah, right to that you that makes sense that, that, i mean think that, of that clear and present sense. danger clear and present danger is a freaking fantastic example of that because that scene with the sub- white suburbans that get pushed into that back alley and then they get ambushed like that's all legit like those cars are getting blown up you know uh-huh. and like i just feel like you don't really see stuff like that anymore and then obviously there was some real CGI going on there with like the helicopter Harrison Ford having to hang off the bottom of that thing and everything. But like it was just such like those types of movies are always so well done and so rewatchable, I think. So to your point, like it's not just nostalgia, but it is just that the watchability is so high because you're not just watching a computer game. Yeah, I think the moment that CGI kind of flew too close to the sun, so to speak, was Avatar because they, they advertise this is like the most visually impressive movie ever. They put it out in 3D, which, by the way, that died. No, like, when's the last time a 3D movie came out? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, but I just think people are past the point of being visually impressed with things anymore. We've kind of seen it all. We've seen kind of the 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 the, the pinnacle of what CGI can do to enhance a movie, and now people are kind of craving the the plot elements and the the, the attention to detail and the dialogue that was clearly you know put a, a lot of effort was put into it. I think people are craving more of that, those aspects of a movie that we don't see as much in like these post 2015 or so movies. Well, that's another thing I appreciate about Tom Cruise. I appreciate because I 
it wasn't the latest Mission Impossible movie. I think it was two Mission Impossible movies ago when he actually strapped himself to the side of a plane. Do you remember hearing about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing some kind of behind the scenes. Yes. Like that, yeah. So in other words, Tom Cruise said, I'm the actor here. People are paying to see me do some crazy stuff, right? And he wasn't just relying on a stuntman, which is why I think he likes to do a lot of his own stunts. I don't think he's on everyone, but he does most of them, if I'm not mistaken. They literally strap him to a plane on the outside of a plane that takes off. Like, that's pretty freaking crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. And that's awesome. Like, that's unlike, that's one thing. Say what you want about the guy, but that's freaking cool. Well, unlike Macaulay Culkin, who doesn't even do his own stunts in Home Alone. Freaking yeah. jackass. Good point. You got a little person to do all his all his <laughs> tough stuff, right? Like like sledding down the stairs. Yeah, I was that so you, proud of myself when I when I discovered that in Home Alone. Dude, you were like a Pos- dead spin reporter on that thing, man. Paused it frame by frame and suddenly <laughs> Kevin turns into some thirty year old man in a little overcoat. There's gotta be a picture of those two together, right? Somewhere. Oh, I, I would I would pay money for that picture signed by signed by both of them. Signed by both of them. Um, confession time, though. That I meant to say this earlier, but I've actually never seen Avatar. Yeah, you didn't really miss out. It was it's one of those movies like you watch it and you're like, that was good, but I'm never going to watch it again. Like, yeah. and there's a lot of those these days. Like, I felt the same way about Tenet, and I think we talked about this after Tenet came out. It was like that was a good movie. I'm never going to watch it again. I the thing is I Nolan has some of the most rewatchable current movies out there, I think. I agree and I'm with that. probably bought biased, but like Batman, you can watch any of the Batmans and be highly entertained from pretty much the whole movie even rewatching it countless times. Um in my opinion. Um and Interstellar. Love rewatching Interstellar. Interstellar to me is just I love the plot. I love just the crazy hypotheses that they throw out there. Um, Tenet is an exception to all that because it's such a freaking like messing with your mind situation that I, I just get exhausted. Like I just get tired and I'm like, I'm not, I didn't sign up for this. Like I, I, like I do having to like kind of think deeply sometimes about these movies and to think, wow, like this hypothetical playing out, like what would that really be like? But for Tenet, it was like, it didn't hit the sweet spot for me of being interesting enough for me to put in the work to try and figure stuff out. For me, it was so out there that I was just like, this is, this is too hard. Um, I need to be kinda, rewarded. And I wasn't rewarded yeah, enough watching that one. Well, I kind of put it in the same category as a, as a way old um, Nolan movie, a uh, memento. Have you seen that one? I have not, but I know about it. I mean, it's like, that's like one of his first, if not the first. Yeah, the movie, like, the whole movie basically plays backwards, and it's, like, just super confusing. But I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, Yeah, I heard about that. It was um, kind of one of those kind of, like, devastating movies, too. I already, I I got the spoiler, too, for that one. But um, anyway, yeah, so not sure how we got off on that tangent, but that kind of sums it up for me. Did you have anything else you wanted to cover with the 4th of July weekend or anything, or Zach Wilson's beloved mother? No, I'm just uh, about to go grill up some uh, some burgers and some chili dogs and uh, call it a good 4th of July. What kind of chili do you I will use? Say, uh, just, I don't know. My, my dad's going to make it. But one thing I will say, and this is a hot take for 4th of July, I'm kind of over fireworks. Like, I just don't get, the, like, I know it's, like, exciting and patriotic and all that, and I appreciate, like, the nostalgic aspect of that, but I, I just don't get, ex- like, I just don't get excited about fireworks anymore. I'm going to tell you why we probably shouldn't talk about this topic too long on this podcast. And that's just simply because I agree with you. Okay. Fair <laughs> let's, let's, let's leave it at that. Just, that's a good way to end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people want to hear us just ragging on fireworks. especially we're fire. both. <laughs> Fireworks are Screw so fireworks, overrated. <laughs> why fireworks are oh. turning the dogs gay. good old alex jones um no i'm anyway i'm i think part of that too just in my own this isn't to like totally crap on fireworks but um i did grow up going to stadium fire every year so for me i was just inundated with it and i was probably spoiled 
So if you didn't have that in your childhood, maybe that's why people like it. But other than that, they have not evolved enough for me to be drawn to them uh, year in and year out. I'm like, they're basically, there's not enough difference with fireworks at 33 from fireworks at 13 for me. Like it's these 20 years have really not changed at all. Well, for all the expensive fireworks shows I've seen, the coolest firework thing I've ever seen. Did I don't know if they ever had these in Utah because they're a major fire hazard. But do you remember those little bee fireworks where you light them and it was a little bee and it like shot off in random directions? No, but that sounds kind of terrifying and fun yeah, at the is, same time. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just a little tiny firework and it, it's they call them bees and you light them and they just randomly just choose a path and kind of crazy. So one time I lit one of those. And it somehow, I don't know how this happened, but it went across the street and went right down my little brother's shirt and caught his shirt on fire <laughs> from the inside. So that was amazing. That, that, was, that amazing. was cooler. That was cooler than a $100,000 fireworks show. And there's no question so, about that. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. All right. With that, yeah, I'd say we sum it up. I'm with you there. Fireworks are kind of overrated. With that said, it's kind of a nice um, excuse to get together with people. Sure. You know, that's it. That's really all it is. It's a good conduit, so to speak. But All right, Chaser. Well, much appreciated. Thanks for coming back on. Welcome back to Utah officially. And we still didn't even do it in person. But we're in the same freaking state, about 20 minutes away from each other. And we still couldn't manage to get together for it. But whatever, it's 2021. We'll get them next time. Sounds good, man. All right, you have a good one. All right, too. There's an hourglass sitting on my table I'm watching. Everything's changing my mind Goes to a different time Old love I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I